the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. Now after, Jesus, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boats, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. Albeit much, much shorter than President Biden's, our Gospel reading today begins with what, in Mark's telling of the story anyway, serves as Jesus' inaugural address. His inauguration had taken place in his baptism, although the inaugurator was neither John the Baptist nor John Roberts, but rather God. God who swore Jesus into office by speaking an oath of God's own. You are my son, my beloved, my delight. It's worth noting. In the kingdom of this country's political world, offices to which one is elected are entered into by promises they make. In the kingdom of God, on the other hand, that to which we've been elected is entered into by promises God makes. Back to the story, immediately thereafter. By the way, this whole year is going to be the year when we focus on Mark's gospel. And here's a Mark's gospel study note you can keep your eyes and ears open for. A lot of things in Mark's telling happen, he says, immediately. It's almost like the Jesus he's telling about is in a hurry, like there's an urgency about something. What the urgency is exactly becomes grammatically apparent when the very last time Mark uses the word immediately is when Judas immediately shows up in the Garden of Gethsemane to betray him with that kiss, at which point Mark immediately drops the immediacy of his storytelling to switch instead into stark, slow motion to focus us on Jesus' suffering and death. His fight to the finish with the then pandemic of sin and death, which was what the urgency was always all about. Back to the story, immediately after his baptism and God's speaking of that inaugural oath, Jesus is escorted not by the secret service to the tomb of the unknowns whose sacrifices won our freedoms, but rather by the Spirit of God to the wilderness where the results of his election as Son of God were contested by Satan, who of course promises Jesus and us that what it means to be really, truly free isn't to have anything to do with suffering, doesn't have anything to do with that sort of thing, but it rather to be truly free is to follow your own desires rather than God's. Satan's petition 
to get Jesus to throw out his cross-shaped calling to which he had been called was by Jesus dismissed. Dismissed without prejudice, as it turns out, for Satan would end up refiling the claim down the road. Which takes us to the beginning of our reading for today. Now, after John was arrested, there's a little bit of a hint there, just right already, and it's kind of an ominous one, reminding us not to be surprised when the world pushes back, tries to silence its prophets and even its savior. Back to our reading, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, and here is his oh-so-brief inaugural address, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Some of you know, but just so we're all on the same page, in the Greek of the New Testament, there are two words that are both completely accurately translated with the English word time. The first is the word chronos. Chronos time is chronological time, sequential time, clock time, calendar time. You are speaking chronos time when you, somebody asks you what time it is and you say it's 1049. Or as we used to say before clocks looked like they do now, about 10 to 11. The second Greek word established, translated as, chron as time is kairos. Kairos time, rather than referring to a specific chronological time like 1049, is used to refer to time as in the right time or the opportune time. You're speaking kairos time language when someone asks you what time it is. You say, it's time for a change. Chronos time is quantitative and fleeting. It is 1049, and then it's not anymore. Kairos time is qualitative and enduring. You're speaking chronos language if your answer to the question, how do you measure a year in a life, is 525,600 minutes. You're speaking kairos time. If your answer to the question, how do you measure in a year, a year in a life, is, how about love? Mark begins by setting the public ministry of Jesus in a chronos time spectrum, that is being after John was arrested, at which time Jesus begins his inaugural address by saying the time Kairos, not Kronos, is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. And so what it is now time for, Kairos, not Kronos, is repentance and faith. Faith in the good news that Jesus came not just to bring but to be. Repent. Again, some of you know, but so we're all on the same page. The Greek word translated repent literally refers to turning, turning from sin, turning to God and God's mercy for sinners, turning from what has been, turning to what can be, and by God one day will be turning from fear, turning to hope, turning from hate, turning to love, turning from the darkness to turn to the light, and doing all of those things because the time is right, 
The time is now. The time, the kairos, is always now. To turn to Jesus and to believe in every promise he comes, not just bringing, but being. Back to the story. Passing now along the Sea of Galilee, Jesus sees Simon Peter and his brother Andrew fishing because this is what they did for a living, Mark tells us. Jesus has been teaching in the area for a time, chronos-wise, and so it's likely that they already knew who he was. It's not that big of a city. It's also quite likely that they may have heard, actually not just have heard of him, but quite probably have heard him in person. Luke uh, suggests, tells us, he goes so far as to say that Simon Peter had already welcomed Jesus into his home where Jesus had then healed Peter's mother-in-law of a serious illness. But now he approaches them not at home but at work and not just like a pastoral call, hey I just wanted to see where it is your work, but rather because it's time. The kingdom is near. So come on, he says. And that's kind of the tone of the Greek, according to a friend of mine whose Greek is way better than mine. Come on, he says. And there's actually energy in it and urgency in the word, my friend says, as in, as in come on now. Um, I've been talking about it for weeks, but now it's time. Let's do this. Come on, he says. Let's fish for people. And this being Mark, we are told that immediately, they then left their nets and followed him as he then walked just a little further down the shoreline to see two more brothers, James and John, also fishermen, mending their nets. And immediately he calls them and they left their father and the hired hands and their boats and nets to follow Jesus too. For them, the time, the day for repenting and believing was also the time for following, not only for the rest of their days, but all the way unto the promises of forever, when Kronos time will be no more, and Kairos time, Kairos measured not by timepieces, but by love, will never end. For as Garth reminded us again this week, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we've first begun. What takes us to us and to this time? Chronos-wise, it is 10.54 a.m. on Sunday, January 24. Chronos-wise, 2 we are 24 days into the Kronos time year, 2021. Kronos wise too. We are five days into the tomb term of a new presidential administration in this country and a new shift in the balance of political power that came with it. Kronos wise too. We are six days past a Martin Luther King Jr. day, which, well, to me anyway, felt particularly poignant this year as recent events in our country have clearly shown us that not only do we still have a long way to go in pursuit of the dream Dr. King dreamed, but also that there are others dreaming entirely different dreams. Dreams not at all about black young children playing with young white children in a land of liberty and justice for all God's children. 
But that's all Kronos time. Jesus, when he called those first four followers of his, did so telling them it was a Kairos time. It was the right time. It was the opportune time to move from preparation to action. Time to start hoping, stop hoping for change and start laboring for it. Time to take their place in a ministry, a movement that was about proclaiming repentance, urging all people to adopt a new outlook, not only on the world, but also on their place in it. It's time to be, then to be an active part of the kingdom of God birthing into the world with grace and life and freedom for all. It's time, Jesus said to his first followers, Kairos time to fish for something greater and more lasting than just fish. It's time to discover if preaching and living the gospel can actually change the world and set people free. Which takes us to now and takes us to us. What time is it? Not Kronos, but Kairos. For you, for me, for us together as Americans, for us together as Christ's church, what is it time for? The text calls us to live into our callings both as Americans and in our daily lives by above all living into our calling as those whom Christ calls his own and calls to follow him. Come on, let's go, he says. Let's do this. Follow me, he says. It's time, he says. What's it time for? Let me suggest some suggestions. <clears throat> it's time for me, for you, for this nation, like the Ninevites in the book of Jonah, to repent. To turn from where we are, to turn toward where God is and where God is the one calling us. And let's be clear, you cannot make that turn by turning in the direction of hate. You can only make that turn by turning in the direction of love. And let's be clear, too, that this is not just a turn some of us need to make. This is a turn in God's time all of us need to make. There are good people on both sides, said our former president, which is surely true if you're talking, for example, about Republicans and Democrats, but it is a horribly inappropriate thing to say when talking about a deadly white supremacist rally. It's time to call ourselves and one another and our nation for, to repent, for here is the truth. There are sinners on all sides and in all hearts. It's time for me and probably most all of us too, like Jonah in the book of Jonah, to repent by turning to the realization that those whom we hate for their evil, whether the evil is real or imagined, are those whom God loves and desires to forgive and to heal for real. And to that end, God calls us not to jump in a boat to get as far away from as we can from our enemies, but rather in the ways that we can to share, to proclaim, to live, to be the gospel that is even for those whom we call our enemies. It is time to, it is high time. This may be misunderstood by some, 
but it is time. To recognize that government has its place and politics has its place, so be active and involved. But it is time to stop waving flags that say God and country, as those two are some sort of equal allegiance. As it is time to stop thinking that the ultimate advance of the kingdom will come if the church marries itself to the agenda of any political party. Do that completely as I believe what began as the moral majority movement in the 1980s has by now proven to us, you may in fact choose still to identify as the church, and you may well amass power. But the power you amass will be the power of this world, and the church you will be will be a church that has sold its soul. It is time for us, too, to be way, way, way better consumers of information and better stewards of what is true. I've told sometimes gently, gently, sometimes stridently, sometimes perhaps too stridently, I have told Christian friends and family members on both sides that posts they posted, for example, wasn't true. And it only took me a couple of clicks to discover that. And if their desire like mine, is to advance the ways and means of the kingdom of God in the world, but they're trying to do that by spouting and repeating untruth. I don't care how noble the cause. They are not advancing, but are rather fighting the advance of what Jesus came to bring. Speaking of being better stewards of what is true, this includes also painful truth. It must. In ways that truly matter, my father was one of the greatest people I've ever known. But there was a saying he used to use when I was growing up, and it featured the N-word. Luther was one of the greatest people the world has ever known, but near the end of his life, he wrote a treatise against Jews that is God-awful. Our Constitution is one of the greatest political documents in the history of the world, but regards to race, for the sake of political representation, it defined people who are not free, that is to say slaves, though it does not use that word, defined them as actually counting for three-fifths as much as free people. And some who signed that truly remarkable document, championing freedom, were slaveholders themselves. My father, Martin Luther, our founding fathers, there are sinners on all sides. Greatness is found in growing from and beyond painful truths, not in denying them. The remarkable preamble to the Constitution, after all, does not call us to look back and replicate the formation of these United States, but rather calls us to move forward toward the formation of a more perfect union. Finally, it is time to remember, as I devoted most of a sermon to two weeks ago, so I won't go into any links on this one, but it is time, oh my, is it time to remember that words matter. And our calling is to see that they matter for good, 
for truth, for love that conquers hate, for light that shines in the dark. Speaking of words that matter, sometimes, honestly for sure, sometimes you have to listen to the words of scientists to hear the truth. But other times, I think, Kairos times, you have to listen to poets. I close with the final words of U.S. Youth Poet Laureate Amanda Gorman. The new dawn blooms as we free it, for there is always light. If only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Amen.